Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics. Here's your host, Todd Citron. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy Spirit, and they shall be recreated, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray, O God, who did instruct the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same Holy Spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation. We ask this through Christ our Lord and blessed Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Guide our minds, our thoughts, our words, and our actions as we discuss this wonderful men's conference coming up on April 30th, 2022 at St. Pius X Catholic Church. It's the 2022 Man-to-Man Men's Conference on the Most Holy Eucharist, and guide us in our thoughts and words now on this beautiful, important doctrine of our one holy Catholic and apostolic Church. We ask all these good things through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You're listening to Cajun Catholics today as a very special episode. I will first introduce our co-host today will be Mr. Ted Desitel and Mr. Guy Abear. Welcome to the show, guys. Hello. Hello, Hello Tom. They are representing you. the local That Man Is You, which will be held uh, here at St. Pius Church on April the 30th, correct? Correct. And so, and our guest today is just super excited for him. He's a superstar out there in, in the Catholic world. That's Father Wade Menezes. He is a member of the Father of Mercies, and he is an EWTN, EWTN author and also host of EWTN's Global Catholic Radio opening online Tuesday. Online Tuesday. Welcome, Father. Thank you. It's very good to be with you all today. Thanks for the invite. I appreciate it. Well, Father, I don't know how welcome uh, Ted and I were talking in my office if, if you've ever been to Cajun Country or down here in Lafayette, but uh, have you? I have many times, in fact. Yes. All right. Well, we. we I love the food. I love the food down there. <laughs> we do we, too. We consider this God's country for sure, but uh, it's just really going to be an honor to have you down here. And uh, and so, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm a member of the Fathers of Mercy, as you, as you just said in that introduction. The Fathers of Mercy are an itinerant missionary preaching order based in Auburn, Kentucky, uh, just about 13 west of 13 miles west of Bowling Green, Kentucky, and about 55 miles north of Nashville, Tennessee. We are itinerant missionary preachers. We preach parish missions, retreats, devotions, and conferences across the United States and Canada and Australia. So a one-day conference like this one coming up there at uh, Pope St. Pius X Church there in Lafayette. Uh, Also the traditional week-long mission from Sunday night through Thursday night at the invitation of the pastor. Retreats like father-son retreats, mother-daughter retreats, uh, confirmation retreats, married couples retreats. We cater to the need of the pastor and or we cater to the need of the particular Catholic group seeking a Catholic speaker, cleric, uh, or a retreat master. So we try to do what we can in, in fulfilling the many, many requests that come into us daily, actually. Uh, there's no shortage of work in this post-pandemic period, and we praise God for that. Also, I'm, I'm a regular on EW10 Global Catholic Radio, as you also said in the introductory comments about me. I'm the host of Open Line Tuesday, which is a fast-paced call-in uh, radio show on faith, family, and fellowship. And I always begin with a springboard topic that is catechetical in nature, and then uh, we take callers for the rest of the hour 
to call into the show that will either uh, revolve around that springboard topic or just call in on any topic they want. And it's a very catechetical nature uh, radio show in its nature as well. So it's a great, great show, and I invite your listeners to tune in each week there at their local Catholic radio affiliate. Nice, Father. So I've been doing adoration at Pius for about 18 years. My, my prayer group meets on Friday mornings at 5 a.m. So we've been praying for you for a long time, to, for, for you to be here at this event, and uh, and we're excited to, to hear what you have to say. I think today's topic is going to be the Eucharist as foreshadowed in both the Old and New Testament and also the Church Fathers on Eucharist doctrine. So I'll just, guys, if you want to add anything, uh, we'll, we'll turn it over to you, Father. Sounds good. Well, great. Go I appreciate ahead. that. And, and those are the, the two uh, titles of my two talks I'll be giving at the men's conference on April 30th. Uh, the first talk is the Eucharist as foreshadowed in both the Old and New Testaments. And the second talk will be titled The Church Fathers on Eucharistic Doctrine. And indeed, you know, the, the doctrine of the Eucharist, the doctrine of Christ's real presence, body, blood, soul, and divinity, and in the Most Holy Eucharist, from the words of consecration onwards at the Mass, no longer ordinary bread and wine, but really, truly, and substantially present in his body, blood, soul, and divinity. We have this greatly, greatly foreshadowed in the Old Testament, and also foreshadowed in the New Testament as well, but then brought to its fruition and introduction in the New Testament covenant established by Jesus Christ. So I'll just comb through a few of the areas uh, without exhausting our whole half hour here together this morning, but Melchizedek, the king and priest of Salem, uh, mentioned in the Old Testament, his was a foreshadowing of the Eucharistic priesthood. He was a very mysterious uh, high priest who offered bread and wine. We have, of course, the Jewish Passover meal involving the Paschal Lamb, which was a, a prefigurement of the Eucharistic sacrifice. Uh, it, the, the one sacrifice of Christ on the cross presented again in its unbloody manner in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. We have the manna in the desert, that mysterious bread-like substance, we're told, in the Old Testament that rained down on the Israelites for 40 years following their escape from their Egyptian slavery. It, too, was a prefigurement of the Eucharist, the new manna. The Old Temple was a prefigurement of the Eucharist, of God dwelling among us huh, in, 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 their midst of the, in the midst of the uh, Israelite people. Uh, and, and we're told the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. You know, with those beautiful words from the um, the Angelus prayer that we traditionally pray three times a day at 6 a.m., 12 noon, and 6 p.m. to help sanctify the day. Uh, and the Word became flesh and pitched his tent among us. And in, in the ancient languages, the word tent comes from the Latin-derived uh, tabernaculum. And we talk about the tabernacle in our Catholic churches that, that hold the most blessed sacrament, that reserve the Eucharist for the sick and the homebound and the infirm. So again, uh, we, we have the tabernacle in the new temple, our, our Catholic churches. How about Elijah with the hearth cakes? This was a prefigurement of the Eucharist as well, food for the journey as it was. Think of Holy Viaticum, uh, brought uh, to one at the end of their life during the administration of the last rite. How about Bethlehem? This is a big one. Bethlehem in the Hebrew means house of bread. Father, I was about uh, to ask you that because I went to the Holy Land and I was getting ready to throw that in so I could look smart. That, that was the one thing and the Holy Spirit was channeling with you and I. I was about to say that. Yeah, I mean, how beautiful is that? You know, yeah. he, he was born in a town meaning house of bread and he is the bread of life that remains with us even to this day, and the sacrament of the Most Holy Eucharist. How about the wedding feast at Cana, wherein we witness water being changed, not into wine, but into the best of wine, 
And as Archbishop Fulton Sheen says, you can bet he had some himself, huh? Uh, water changed into the best of wine. And then later, uh, the Last Supper, we have wine changed into the blood of Christ. How about the mul- multiplication of the loaves, guys? This is the only miracle of Jesus, period. Only miracle of Jesus, period, that appears in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which tells us something of how the sacred writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, saw it in regards to its importance. And it's the only miracle of Jesus that's recounted in all four of the Gospels. His curing of the deaf, the mute, the blind, the lame, those get mentioned in one or two or three of the Gospels, but not all four. How about the wonderful Bread of Life discourse in John chapter 6? I am the Bread of Life, and unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will have no life within you. And then, of course, the Last Supper, wherein the Eucharistic promises are fulfilled with the actual institution of the Holy Eucharist, which is also the fifth luminous mystery of the Most Holy Rosary, and we know that all 20 mysteries of the Rosary uh, revolve around uh, the history of our salvation and, and the work of Christ for us in his Paschal mystery, his passion, death, resurrection, and ascension, and the promises uh, assigned therein because of the Paschal mystery. How about the road to Emmaus? During his post-resurrection accounts, you know, Jesus appeared for 40 days after his resurrection, but before he ascended into heaven. And we call these the post-resurrection appearances or the post-resurrection accounts of Jesus. What's the first one that told to us of great importance regarding the Eucharist? The road to Emmaus. And once the two disciples invite him in to have supper, we're told that they finally recognized him when? In the breaking of the bread, and then he vanished from their sight mm-hmm. after that. And then, of course, the marriage supper of the Lamb in the book of Revelation, the book of the Apocalypse, wherein we see how the Eucharist is the pledge of eternal glory, where we hope to one day be seated down at the Supper of the Lamb for all eternity. And as, as uh, Dr. Scott Hahn teaches so eloquently, you know, the, the Church's own teaching on the four senses of, the, of Scripture, sacred Scripture, the literal and the spiritual sense of Scripture, and under the spiritual we have three subcategories, the moral, the allegorical, and the anagogical. There's nothing to prevent us from seeing the book of Revelation, the the wedding feast of the Lamb, the sitting down of the Supper of the Lamb for all eternity, seeing the Mass right now, during this age in which we live in, seeing the Mass as the fulfillment, spiritually, in a spiritual sense, of of that passage from the book of the Apocalypse. And so there you have it. You know, the the Eucharist has foreshadowed in both the Old and the New Testament. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Again, I don't want to take the whole half hour. (laughs) No, we're loving it give my talk now but that gives us a good sense yes sir i I want to remind our listeners you're listening to cajun catholics it's a very special episode with father wade manesis he is the keynote speaker for the that man is you conference that'll be april 30th at saint Pius, right Right. and uh what time is all that taking place oh man man i'm sorry go ahead jump in guy no i just want to remind you this part i attend uh that man is you quite often an excellent program uh we're we're talking about the man-to-man conference which is april 30th this year we're going to kick off at 8.30 a.m. Ends, ends at 2.30, 8.30 to 2.30 p.m. 
Saturday, April 30th. All right, good. And so, Father, you, you touched on so many things that, that uh, and I have some questions like uh, regarding some of the things you talked about. And I heard your, your YouTube talk about the, the luminous mysteries, how it was really about Christ, uh, about his accomplishments, his works. And I, I, and, 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 and I heard how some people push back because they like the old, the old mysteries. And, and for me, um, they have the, in the novena, there's graces on all the mysteries. But on the luminous mysteries, I don't know that I've seen where they announce the graces in a book. Or, are there graces? I would ask you that question. And I, and oh, I, there, there, there yeah. surely are. Yeah. You know, uh, first of all, let me tell you about this uh, regarding the luminous mysteries. As beautiful as the other three sets of mysteries are, the joyful, the sorrowful, and the glorious, as beautiful as they are, and the mysteries held therein with each one, no doubt, let us remember that none of those 15 mysteries, none of them, the five joyful, the five sorrowful, or the five glorious, deal per se with the three years of public ministry of Christ. Uh, None of them do. And so that's an important point to remember, where the five luminous mysteries all have to do, per se, with Christ's three years of public ministry. You know, the first luminous mystery is the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan, right? And uh, uh, the second is uh, his self-manifestation of his divinity at the wedding feast of Cana. Uh, and then, so, so his first public miracle, right? Then the third one is the proclamation of the kingdom of heaven, and the call to conversion of hearts. Well, that has a lot to do with, uh, for example, the, the eight Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, and the proclamation of the kingdom, and everything he said in the four Gospels, and so forth. Um, and so we have this, this, this beautiful telling of Jesus' three years of public life. Then we have uh, the Transfiguration in the fourth mystery um, of, the, the, of the Luminous Set, and then the institution of the Holy Eucharist, uh, per se, again, in the upper room, by Jesus establishing the, the new covenant uh, sacrament of the Most Holy Eucharist in the upper room, when? On the night of the, uh, of the arrest. And how beautiful is that, that he instituted this perpetual meal for us, this perpetual sacrifice for us in an unbloody form, representing again the one bloody sacrifice that he did for us on Calvary on that first Friday that we call good. But in regards to the mysteries themselves, you know, the Luminous Mysteries focus specifically on Christ's three years of public life, so they help us to see how we as Christians and our Christian mission, uh, while living out our own vocations in the midst of the modern world, whether single, married, or as consecrated religious priests, brothers, or sisters in consecrated life, or even diocesan priests, how we are called to live our vocation in state and life in the midst of the modern world, just as Christ showed us how to live during, during the three years of his public ministry in the midst of his modern world of, of that time in the Holy Land. So the baptism of Jesus in Jordan, what can I do to enact my own baptismal graces, calling me to be the evangelizer I'm called to be according to my state in life and my vocation? For example, the homeschooling mother of six, her, her sphere of influence is just as important as my sphere of influence as an itinerant traveling missionary creature. Mine is no more important than hers, right? And yet she has a different vocation and state in life as me. How about the self-manifestation of our Lord's divinity at the wedding feast of Cana? What can we do to promote the miracles of Jesus recounted in the Gospels? 
to give people the virtue of hope that miracles are possible in their own lives. How about the proclamation of the kingdom of God and the call to conversion of hearts? Again, it's centered around the eight Beatitudes as the, the fulfillment of the Ten Commandments. You know, you talk to any lawyer, whether it's a family lawyer, a trial lawyer, an agricultural land lawyer, they're going to tell you about uh, such things as the strict letter of the law and the so-called spirit of the law, how the law is to be lived. So we have the strict letter of the law and the Ten Commandments, which Jesus himself says, I did not come to abolish the old law, the Ten Commandments, but rather to bring it to fulfillment. And then what does he give us right after that in Matthew's Gospel? He gives us the Sermon on the Mount and the Eight Beatitudes, or, or Nine Beatitudes, depending on what translation of Scripture you're looking at. So, because the last Beatitude, number eight, is often uh, split up into two different ones. So, the, the, the Eight Beatitudes are the spirit of the law, the Ten Commandments are the strict letter of the law, right? Then the transfiguration of our Lord, giving us a glimpse of what heaven will be like for our own natural human bodies, because he had a natural human body just like ours in every way but sin. He took on that human nature that was just like our own human nature in every way but sin. And then he gives us hope in what our own bodies one day will be transfigured like that in all eternity with God in the beatific vision or in eternal beatitude, uh, heaven for all eternity. And then, of course, the institution of the Holy Eucharist, the fifth luminous mystery, uh, a pledge of eternal glory, as Vatican II teaches, which will lead us to the sitting down eternally, for all eternity, at the Divine Supper of the Lamb, a foreshadowing of which is right now in the source and summit of the entire Christian life, which is the Eucharist. So the luminous mysteries, because they focus on Christ's three years of public ministry, say a lot about our own public lives and how we should live our own public lives. And mind you, in 2022, amidst a culture of death, a veritable culture of death, abortion, euthanasia, unnatural marriage in its six various forms, um, the increase of divorce rate, um, the, uh, the, the increase of crime. Then there's the separate category, the increase of sexual violent crime, where the violent crime is specifically sexual in nature. So amidst a veritable culture of death, uh, the Eucharist, which crowns the five luminous mysteries, tells us how to live. Uh, in this modern world today, um, in pursuance of the good, the true, and the beautiful in concrete daily actions. And the seven sacraments help us retain that sanctifying grace to be able to live and strive to become saints in the modern world. We're, we're channeling, Father. I was going to tell you that. So I kind of made up my own graces on all those ministries. And the one for, because uh, I couldn't find it in the book, I go to Manresa on retreat annually. But um, on, on the Eucharist, uh, and, and a friend of mine challenged me to pray that, that decade every day. So I started doing that, you know, at the end of, of my rosary, and I do it when I exercise. And for that mystery, I've always thought, you just took the words out of my mouth, sanctifying grace, you know, that, that you have to be in a state of sanctifying grace to receive the Eucharist. And, and, uh, and Absolutely. Yeah. And the only thing that takes us out of that state of sanctifying grace is mortal sin. How many? 27, 103, 56? No, just one. Just one. Grave matter done with fullness of knowledge that it's grave matter and done with deliberate consent of your will anyway. Grave matter, fullness of knowledge, and done with deliberate consent of your will. And the Church has always taught for centuries that if any one or two of those is missing, then you have a venial sin. But if all three of those are present, 
then you have a mortal sin, and you sh- must retain from communion until you're reconciled to the sacrament of reconciliation. Uh, the New Testament is very clear. There is sin that is deadly and sin that is not deadly. So where mortal sin cuts us off from sanctifying grace, uh, venial sin doesn't cut it off, but it constricts it from working more fully in the person's life. And so this is why we want to shun even habitual venial sin, because habitual venial sin can lead one into mortal sin. And, uh, and everyday faults and weaknesses that aren't necessarily even venial, but they're habits in our life, uh, uh, unchecked uh, everyday faults and weaknesses can predispose one to venial sin, and then again, the unchecked venial sins habitually can predispose one to, to mortal sin. So, you know, one of my favorite paragraphs in the Universal Catechism is the definition of virtue and virtuous living. It's number 1803 of the Universal Catechism, which was promulgated by now St. John Paul II in 1994. And number 1803 tells us very clearly, guys, it says, uh, virtue and virtuous living is pursuance of the good, the true, and the beautiful in concrete daily actions with all five of my bodily senses, sight, smell, taste, touch, and hearing, and the four spiritual powers of my soul, intellect, will, memory, and imagination. What nine great gifts we have in this body-soul compositeness that makes up the, the dignity of the human person, the five bodily powers and the five spiritual powers. And I want to take all nine of these sight, smell, taste, touch, and hearing, and intellect, will, memory, and imagination, and daily, in concrete daily actions, pursue the good, the true, and the beautiful, of which the Eucharist, which is what our conference is about, sustains me in, right? So it could be something as mundane as, do I really need this second piece of blueberry pie with whipped cream on it, to something more serious in a married couple's life, like, why do my wife and I feel the need to contracept? What are we so fearful of? Why, why are we so darn afraid of conceiving again when we don't have a grave enough reason to not conceive again? And if we do, we should do so naturally, not through contraception. But, but if there is no grave reason in place, why do we feel the need to contracept? Why does the devil have his claws on our backs holding us back from living more fully our marriage covenant, of which the beautiful conjugal union and marital embrace in the marriage bed is such a beautiful, important part of. Why is the devil having us manipulated and contorted and twisted? So that's not pursuing the good, the true, and the beautiful, right? Right. But we're called to pursue the good, the true, and the beautiful. And that's what living in a state of sanctifying grace and receiving the Eucharist on a regular basis with Sunday Mass and monthly confession. This is why this is so important. That's beautiful, Father. Uh, we were talking over here. My, my daughter is getting her master's in theology, and she shares things with me. And, and yesterday she shared with me a map of the United States where, where is the healthiest uh, Roman Catholic parish churches as it pertains to vocations. And I want to brag a little on the Cajun Catholics. Uh, in, in, in Lafayette and Lake Charles, diocese is, was extremely healthy where you are. Uh, you know, they said Lexington, Louisville, and, and Covington, Kentucky were, were places where they were doing outstanding. I, I, I made the guys laugh. Why, why do all, what do all those towns have in common? They have horse race tracks in them. I don't know. I, I like horse <laughs> racing, and, I, and it was an observation for me. Maybe cowboys have something to do with, with Christians and Catholic faith. Uh, but you, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, you got, you got 
nothing against our, our city brothers and sisters. I love our city brothers and sisters, but maybe there's something to be said about uh, rural settings, more rural right. or suburbia settings where the faith is very strong among the families and the Catholic faith is practiced on, on a regular basis. And so. not only for one hour out of 168 a week, 24 times 7, not just one hour out of 168, but living the faith the remaining 167 hours of the mm-hmm. week. Maybe So maybe there's something to be said about the, the, the rural setting of the farming yeah. families. I don't know. Well, I'm just saying so, that, you know? but I'm not surprised. And then in, in the South as well, which is very Protestant, uh, we love our Protestant brothers and sisters, uh, I think the Catholics uh, live their faith a little more strongly as well be- because it's in the, the so-called Bible Belt. Right. And so we really want to share our Catholic faith with others. Yeah, if you've ever been on the backstretch of the racetrack, I don't know if you guys have, you know, but it's like where the rubber meets the road, and, and, and you get there at 3 or 4 in the morning, and, you know, they're exercising those horses like in the dark. And it is a very spiritual place, and you, you watch that sun come up, and you know there's a God every day, and those those animals are beautiful. So, Father, um, you know, just we have about probably four or so minutes left on the show. Definitely want to uh, challenge our listeners to come to the Man to Man Conference and hear Father Wade Manises. This is a, a once in a lifetime opportunity, but I'll let you continue on the Eucharist. Uh, you, you mentioned I heard one of your your YouTube videos also where it said that the eve, and I wrote this in my diary last night. Uh, the evening of your life is is uh, you will be judged by by the love you give, right? Yeah, that's that's a quote from Saint John of the Cross. At the evening of this life, at your particular judgment, you will be judged on love. And what he means by the evening of this life, he means when you die, your death, at which you will have a particular judgment when you die individually, and that particular judgment will be ratified at the general judgment. And at the particular judgment, you're judged on love. And hopefully it will be an ordered love that you're judged on and not judged on disordered loves in your life. So do we love the Internet the way we're supposed to love the Internet? It's a beautiful invention. We're Catholic, right? We love the Internet. We love modern technology. But it shouldn't become our demigod to lead us into sin, like through pornography and whatnot. Um, We love... uh, wine. I, I'm, I'm full-blooded Portuguese. I love a good glass of wine. <laughs> but do I love wine in an ordered way or in an inordinate way, a disordered way? You know, it's interesting. St. Thomas Aquinas teaches, he says, uh, detachment, the virtue of detachment, which is an actual virtue. He says, detachment is loving persons, places, and things the way God intends us to love him. Uh, excuse me, uh, to love them. Detachment is loving persons, places, and things the way God intends us to love them. So does the the husband and father with a wife and teenagers at home, who's the CEO and owner of a business, does he love his female secretary the way he's supposed to love her? I certainly hope so. Every boss should love every employee that he has. Or does he love his female secretary in an inordinate way, a disordered way, and so begins to flirt with her? Uh, and his wife and teenagers know nothing about it. Well, that's a disordered love, where, where he's called to love his secretary in an ordered way as a husband and father who has the wife and teenagers at home. So St. John the Cross says, we will be judged on love. Pray daily that it be on ordered love that you're judged on and not disordered love. Huh? And that's, that's our goal. And that's why... You know, St. Saint, Saint Augustine, who suffered from a severe lust addiction, you know, he's, he fathered a, a child out of wedlock at age 17, 
He lived with a woman for 23 years whom he never married. All the same while, those same 23 years left behind him, behind him a string of discarded mistresses. Um, he says, no one can be ready for the next life unless he trains himself for it now while he's still living. No one can be ready for the next life unless he trains himself for it now. This is why events like this upcoming men's conference, the man-to-man men's conference on April 30th, is so important because an event like that helps to train the men in this life to be ready for the next life, which hopefully will be one of eternal beatitude, the beatific vision, heaven for all eternity. Thank you so much, Father. For Guy and Ted, I uh, uh, just can't thank you enough. For, it's just a, been a real honor and privilege to have you today. Looking forward to seeing you here in good in good old Cajun country. Uh, well, thank you guys so much. I'm really looking forward to serving all of you that day. All right. Saturday, April 30th, 830 to 230, man-to-man conference at St. Pius X Church. Uh, and God bless you, Father. Please, we ask for your prayers and know that you'll be in ours. Absolutely. Thank you so much, gentlemen. God bless you now. Thank, thank you, Father. Thank you. Father. Thank you.